You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Church. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Let's jump in. Today I want to talk to you a little bit about the miracle of the man who was basically let down through the roof. If you've heard of this story, raise your hand so I can get an idea. It's okay if you've never heard of this story. Don't, don't take it like as if, uh, well, I've never heard of this story, so you know, I'm not a good Christian. That's not the point. The point is just to see. It helps me gauge all right, you know, just so if you heard the story about the man who was let down the roof, everybody heard this or no? Okay, good, okay. All right, most of us in the room, if you have it, don't sweat it. I just, I just want to encourage you to go read the context of the story. I'm going to read you the whole story, but then you can read the context of other um, explanations in the Bible, okay? So I'm going to start with that and then explain a little bit about, um, about what this means, okay? So I'm going to read the whole story to you, the whole scripture context, and we're going to break it down a little bit, okay? So it's in Luke, I'm reading from, from Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. And verse 12, so if you have a Bible, open it to that. If you don't have a Bible, get on your phone or something and look on your neighbors. If you don't, just, I want you to see it with your eyes, the story, okay? But Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, and verse 12, and if you don't have one, put it on the screen for you, okay? It says, while he was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. You might be thinking, well, this isn't the guy that was let down the roof. I, I know that. Just hang tight. I'm, I'm making a point, okay? Behold, there was a man covered with leprosy, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and he implored him, or he begged him, or he, he pleaded with him. He pleaded with him. And he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you're willing, you can make me clean. So, next verse. So he stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. That's Jesus. I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. Immediately. And he ordered him not to tell anyone, but to go and to show yourself to the priest and to make an offering for you're cleansing, just as Moses had commanded him, as a testimony to them. Next verse says, But the news about him was spreading even farther, and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Now, we're going to get into the next part now. Leprosy guy, what does it have to do with the guy being let down? I'll tell you in a minute. But it's a part of the story. Next, he says, But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. And one day he was teaching. And there were some Pharisees and some teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. It says, And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was was paralyzed, and they were trying to bring him in and to set him down in front of Jesus. But not finding a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, they let him down through the tiles with his stretcher, into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. It goes on to say, Seeing their faith, Jesus said, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins have been forgiven you, or to say, Get up, And walk, so that you might know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say unto you, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. Immediately he got up before them, he picked up what he had been lying on, and he went home glorifying God. They were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God, and they were all filled with fear saying, we have seen remarkable things today. The story there, in its context, if you will, of the man who was let down through the tiles of a roof. And I wanted to share that with you before I break it down because it's very difficult to read this without wanting to elaborate a little bit on each part of this. So I wanted to read it first and then share a little bit about this man who was paralyzed. I know that all of us in here would say, if I ask you to raise your hand, Do you believe that God is a God of miracles? If you agree with that statement, raise your hands. I mean, look around the room. We all say it. I don't think anybody denies it. But as a pastor, I'll be honest with you, I've been on both sides of the the story. Where I've seen people get up with their mat, in a sense, and leave healed. And I've seen those who did not get up with their mat and leave healed. Irregardless is not a reflection on any person whether they are healed or not. That is not a reflection on a person. It is not a reflection on a person at all. Because 
We don't understand the whole story about anything, to be honest with you. Let's just be real. I mean, we got people today telling you that we came from amoebas. We transform into a frog, and somehow that turned into a gorilla, and then there was us. There you go. There's one thought. There's others who say the earth is 44 gazillion years old, and that's why we have the way we have today. And I want to say to people who make all these statements and these these theories that come out, irregardless of what they say, and no matter how many letters they have behind their name after their name ends, where were you 40 million years ago? How can you make such a bold statement when you yourself are less than 100 years of age? I look around and I think about how old I am now. I think about my family and I think about all the folks in my family I've got to be able to meet. And I think about the span of time and how short that time very is. It is very, very short. We talk about our nation and how advanced we are and how great our country is and how we're the most blessed nation in the world. That's fantastic. But do you realize our nation is not yet 300 years old? But we think, oh, man, Revolutionary War, that's a long time back. It wasn't that far back. You think about when they built the pyramids, you think, oh, man, that must have been like, whoa, 6,000 years ago. That's so far back. It's really not that far back. History only can go back from humanity. Transcripts, maybe six to 10,000 years if we're, you know, doing our best the way to evaluate what we have, writings and scribes and all that kind of stuff. And we say, well, my question is, how can people say things so boldly about the world 44 million years ago and yet overlook something like God because nothing else really makes sense? If you look at the world around you, nothing else really makes sense. So it's all theories. But we all would say we believe in miracles, but yet you don't don't always see the miracles that you want to see. It's a tough thing, which is why I think the phrase that was coined by so many people, I'm not picking when I say this, I just want you to hear me and understand that I'm not picking. Everybody understand I'm not picking? Right, raise your hand if you understand. Pastor Jody's not picking right now. I don't want to hear somebody say, I'm get from somebody else. Oh, that guy over that church, he was, no, I'm not, I'm not. The phrase, though, that comes out from this, that when people pray for people and says, well, Lord, if it's your will, heal them, is a cop-out to the gospel. Because it's, let me, as a pastor, that's an easy thing to pray. It gets me off the hook completely. To go up before someone who is, I look over in the corner, I'm not going to pick, I'm not trying to embarrass, but Joy's sitting over here, three rows, four rows back. This young lady right over here was in a coma for six months. They told her she would die. She would never walk. She would never think. She'd never be able to speak. And look, Joy, if you don't mind, would you please just stand up? Look, here she sits. Right, that, that lady right there is a miracle. You understand that? Absolute miracle. No, and, and it wasn't like, oh, Pastor Jody, pray for her either. No, no, no. It was a couple of elders, some folks from the church, just some regular Good old believers, not like, a, you know what I'm saying? They didn't have a Bible college thing going on. No, no, they're just Christians, which is supposed to be the way it is, by the way. Christians who went and prayed for her, and it took time. She'll tell you it wasn't easy. It was not like something that was just oh, overnight. She didn't pick up her mat and just walk home overnight. It's not the way it worked. But she did open up her eyes when they looked over at her husband, and he said, well, good morning. <laughs> I mean, you know, I can't, those two right there, and listen, if you ask them, how did it happen? They'll tell you the Lord just is a miracle. they give you a formula for it. They're going to sit down. She's going to give you a formula and say, well, you know, while I was in a coma, I had a vision of Jesus, and it was three steps he gave me, and that's how I got. That is not what happened. I've been on the other side of that where I have also prayed for people that I love dearly, and I have not seen the same thing happen. So I think that's why it's so easy for us to say, if it be your will, and then move on because that takes, honestly, the responsibility off as a Christian. And I'm not saying it's up to us. It's totally up to God. But you understand my point when I say this. If I say, if it's your will, man, I totally have no responsibility in this at all. Which brings me to the leper who says, while he was in the cities, Luke five twelve again. Let's just look over it real quick. There was a man covered with leprosy, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face. And he implored him or he begged him. He pleaded with him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And so Jesus stretched out his hand and he touched him. He said, what? Let's say it together like we know the answer. I am willing. 
It is not about his willingness. And immediately the leprosy left him. He was cleansed. But then he says something very interesting. He says, go, don't tell anyone about this, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Because they were supposed to bring a testimony, an offering. If you had leprosy at the process of getting healed, you didn't have to have Jesus in the process. God could heal before Jesus showed up on the scene. It wasn't like God wasn't healing people. If you look in the Old Testament, he had many, many, many people. Many miracles took place in the Old Testament. But he said, go show yourself to the priest, because here's why. They didn't like the way Jesus was healing people. So Jesus kind of like, you know, you can't say he did it to be kind of rubbing it in because that would indicate there was maybe a prideful statement in Jesus doing this. That's not, you couldn't say that, but somehow he said it in a way that was totally perfect and holy and sanctified. He did not sin and said, now now go show yourself because the law says you're supposed to go show yourself to the priest. Go show yourself and take the offering. And then when they ask you, well, how did you get healed? Just tell them what took place. You know, he did it without pride. I don't know how he did that because me, I would have been like, yeah, now all them guys talking bad about me, you go show me. You tell them exactly how you got healed. You know, that, but that's why I'm not Jesus. So the one thing I want you to see from this, why am I thinking about this? What does that have to do with the man that was paralytic? Because first thing we need to understand is this, is that he is willing. He's willing. It is not us. It is not him. Many times it's us. But he is willing. And it doesn't matter. I I would dare say, unless you're in ministry, I would dare say you've not prayed for as many people and seen how many times God has. And let me say it this way. Be careful about it because it's not that God doesn't. How many times you've seen a miracle take place? How many times maybe someone goes to be with the Lord? As many times as ministers do. It is heartbreaking sometimes. To know what God's word says and to not see the same results every single time. I told you about my story of being in South Sudan. This, this kind of wrecked me a little bit, still wrecks me uh, about the little boy that was over there. We raised money for it and basically rebuilt a church in their region in his name who was there. He was only 13 years of age. <clears throat> he had a, a condition where basically I think it started with malaria and it transferred to something else. And basically all he needed was a kidney, a dialysis machine to cleanse his kidneys out. A couple of times he would be fine. Then he could take the medication and he would be just fine. This was not incurable. A simple medication that we take for granted here in America. That if he had, he would be totally fine. But they couldn't have, they didn't have that there. And so we, they couldn't get one there. They didn't, when I say don't have one there, that's hard to imagine, right? In the state of Georgia, I bet you know five people off the top of your, you know, your mind that you could call and find a dialysis machine right now. I bet you anything, you know, five people that could connect you with someone to get a dialysis machine. They didn't have one in the nation. There's not one. We tried to get one through another region, in, through, um, in, in the region of, uh, oh, goodness, uh, 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 Kenya. But in order to get one from there, to get it over to South, is impossible. They just couldn't do it. And then someone's going to steal it if you get it there. So we had already made plans. We we're going to raise the money. I had some friends who were working with me over here, Jody and some other guys, different places. We were working. We were over in, over here as well. And we were trying to get, and we found a dialysis machine, a small one, because you had to get it in a suitcase. We couldn't trust to mail the things. They might steal it and steal the parts out of it. So we had one to fit in a suitcase, but here came the next problem. Can't get the chemicals in. It was so frustrating. And to find out, like in about three months, give or take, that the little boy, he dies. All because he can't get something as simple as a dialysis machine to take regular medication. But the more frustrating thing than that, I have to be very honest with you, is that we gathered around this little boy, and I asked the question, I said, well, why can't he just take the medicine? Then we don't have the, he can't take the medicine because it'll just flood his kid. He can't process the medicine. So he's going to have to have a dialysis before we can give the medicine. I said, well, we can pray for him. Right? I mean, that was what you would do, right? Well, let's pray for him. Let's ask God to heal him, right? So here's me, a medical professional, a doctor, a physician who believes in healing, has seen God heal. The other guy who's there, me and Steve Holsinger and others, we gather around this little boy and we pray for him. God, would you heal his little body? Would you cleanse his kidneys, cleanse his blood? We prayed as many things. I prayed. I didn't know what else to pray. You know, you just pray until you just have got nothing else. God, I'm trusting you. I prayed for that little boy after we left. But he didn't get a miracle in a sense that what I thought should take place. 
Now, I don't know the whole condition in that situation. I don't know that region. Here's what I will tell you about that region. I don't even know where his parents were. They weren't even there. It's possible that what if he got healed? I don't know. I'm just, I'm not making up excuses for God. I'm just telling you, we don't know everything. But I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I saw enough pain over there to see why some people would just say, Jesus, take me home. So I'm not making excuses for God. I'm just telling you, it's heartbreaking sometimes as a pastor to go in and pray. And sometimes you see this and sometimes you don't. And I'm not making excuses for God. I'm not saying God can't. I'm just saying he's willing. I don't understand all of it, but I'm not going to back up from praying and asking God to do it, even though sometimes I don't get the answer that I want. Do you understand? Because he is, the way I see the scriptures, he is willing. So let me read you a couple of scriptures just to encourage you about this right now, because if you are like me and sometimes it frustrates you and sometimes it doesn't, man, let's be encouraged this morning that he is willing. In Matthew 4.23, I'm going to read these to you and then move on. But Matthew 4.23, Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing how many? All kinds of sicknesses and how many? All kinds of disease among the people. It's on the screen, right? You guys see that, right? Because you didn't answer it like you read it. You answered it like you were in school, like, I don't know the answer. I'm afraid to say it. No. He went about and he taught and it says he healed how many? All sicknesses and how many diseases? All. Matthew 9.30. I'm just keeping it in Matthew. Because I'm not going to mix the stories and get, you know, back Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just keeping it here a couple of verses, okay? Matthew 9, 35. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages. That right there is an indicator because he, even in Nazareth, he did heal some, though he could only lay his hands on a few sick folk because they didn't believe. But he did go through all the cities and he healed people in every city. It says that he went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing, what? Every kind of disease and what? Every kind of sickness. Matthew 12, verse 14. But the Pharisees went out and they conspired against him as to how they might destroy him. But Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. Many followed him and he healed them all. And he warned them not to tell who he was. I've always, that's a whole other message anyway. He healed them all. And Jesus is willing to do miracles. And here, let me just point out to you in case you think, well, Maybe I don't deserve to be healed or deserve a miracle from God because I have not been faithful to God or I have sinned or I have made plenty of mistakes. Let me just point out to you from the Father's heart. Jesus said this, John 6, 38, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will but to do the will of him who sent me. A lot of people have issues with God because they think, well, He maybe God doesn't love me. Let me tell you something. God loves you enough to kill his only son. You understand that? He loves you. You can't look at what I've done wrong and how many mistakes I've made and determine whether that determines whether I qualify. You qualify just from the standpoint of the fact that he loves you regardless. Past mistakes, future mistakes, and the ones you made this morning. Don't look at me like you didn't. All of sin and fallen. You look at me like you had it all together this morning. You didn't have it all together. Come on, man. I guarantee you half y'all fought with your spouse. That's why Haley and I don't drive together most of the time at church. Like, we know what's going to happen. i got to preach on Sunday. I don't want to get in a fight with her about what I didn't do or that she didn't do this or some kid said that. We... No, we, we're good. I mean, i got to preach. I, we'll do that after church. You know, Don't look at me, though, like you got it all together. I was listening to a guy say this the other day. God's grace is so great. And you can't confuse this with liberty to sin. That's not what he's saying. But God's grace is so great. He forgives not only what you did wrong, what you've done wrong today, but also what you're going to do wrong tomorrow, and even also what you did on purpose that was wrong. Now, that's kind of... Hard to hear, but you know as well as I do, you've all done stuff on purpose that was wrong. Don't look at me like you're so righteous. You know you on purpose. You have sinned on purpose before. Don't raise your hand, but you know you you know. You know. <laughs> I have too. But even in the midst of that, does God still not pour out his mercies, his love, his grace, and his forgiveness? My Bible teaches me that he does. My job is just to repent and change and, and get my tail back in order and get, get, you know, get out of my little righteous self, but God does. <clears throat> but it is easier, though, to adapt a saying to explain all this away by simply saying, if it's your will. There's more than enough verses to prove he is willing. He's willing. The second thing I want you to see about this story 
When we get to the guy that was on the mat, I want to see, that's the guy. It's a cool story. Yeah, we're going to get to that now, okay? Second thing I want you to see is this. Faith is involved. We don't like to talk about this because this is where sometimes it falls on us. And I'm not saying when you hear this, this does not mean that someone didn't have faith if they didn't get what they were asking God for. I've had plenty of things I've prayed for and it didn't come to pass. But I've had plenty of things I've prayed for and it did come to pass. It's not, you see, if you look at it that way, it gets very, uh, I'll say philosophical in religion. It's kind of like, well, you never know what's going to happen, so we just, just, we just hope, I just hope, I just hope. And that's not even faith. That's just, well, maybe it'll happen. We don't know. It's like maybe I'll win the lottery. I don't know. I hit the numbers or whatever. That, that's, that's not real faith. And so the Bible teaches us about this in this story, Luke 5, 18. <clears throat> It says, some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were trying to bring him in and to set him down in front of him. But they're not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd. Very interesting about this story. Then they went up onto the roof. Because that's what people do when you can't get into the building. You you climb the roof, right? That would have been my first thought too, right? They led him down through the tiles with a stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Now, I need you to understand, this is very common in Israel. Just so you can get an idea. Because... If you don't, this is what I've heard before, and it's not wrong, and I'm not picking, I'm just saying. I've said it before, too. You've got to have four crazy friends in your life who do crazy stuff to help God. Absolutely true. But I just think about it for a moment. That guy on that mat was the fifth guy. Don't you think he had some skin in the game? Like, he could have said, uh-uh. I don't trust you, Billy. You can't be taking me up on the roof. What if I fall? I'd be worse than I am now. I'm not going up on the roof for you, Billy. Like, I've seen you before, man. You can't catch, man. You've dropped ball, dropped the football. You, you remember in middle school? You cost us the state championship because you couldn't catch that pass. I'm not letting you take me up on the roof. You know, he had a part to play. The interesting thing about this, is, I'm not trying to get numerology, but just from the Bible standpoint, the number five is the number of grace. You understand something about this is there's five of them that went up on that roof, not four. This guy had faith too. It's almost like we look at the fifth guy on the mat and say, well, bless his darling heart. He doesn't like, you know, he, he don't have, he just, he can't believe anything. Let's get him up there on the roof and we're going to help him out with some faith. Maybe he had more faith than other guys. Don't you think he would have had to talk him into that? Guys, I want you to take me up on the roof. And then, and then what? I want you to open it up. I want to see Jesus. Man, they, really? What are they going to do? If we, what if we get sued for cutting into the roof, man? Come on. Have you thought about this? They, it was a working together. The other thing I want you to think about this, this is not uncommon. We think about like our roof structures as if this is what he did. This is not the kind of roof he had. The Bible says this, I'll just give you a couple ideas. In Matthew 24, 17, whoever's on the housetop must not go, must not go down to get the things out of that are in their house. Acts 10, 9, on the next day, Peter, they were on their way and approaching the city. Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. It was very common to get up on the rooftops. For good things and for not so good things. David was kind of on the rooftop too and he saw Bathsheba. But it was common because of their structure. And why am I telling you this? I want you to see, I'll show you an image for you. The first image, you can see a traditional Israeli house in the first century. Look at this. Do you see how it was built? It's like a square box, if you will. And it's about the half the size of a traditional mobile home, a double-wide mobile home. But on the top, it's flat. And on the top of that roof... It's got wooden roof slats. You can't read this, but wooden roof slats. Then they throw straw or pitch or some kind of stuff on top of it. So these wooden slats, all they, there's ladders up there. They just walk right up on the roof all the time. They would pray. They would, I don't know what else they did up there. I guess better view. I don't know. But the, the region of Israel is so hilly and so rocky and everything else. It was just common. Your roof could be right next to the ground. Because the way the hill worked, they could be right next to the ground. It would be no big deal. We, you know, we think about this like it took so much faith in these guys. They had, you know, pulley systems on this guy's mat, and they're just you know, working for hours getting up on the roof. What if they just took him on his little mat, walked around on top of the roof over the hill, stepped right on top of the mat? Changes the thought a little bit, doesn't it? Oh, those guys had big faith. They cut through the roof. I don't know about that. Now, they did have to take the tiles off, but that wouldn't be a big deal either. You just move the straw, a couple, couple of tiles off. No, hey, there's Jesus. Now, letting him down might have been a little difficult. I give you that. But they let him down. I want you to hear this because to understand they had to set this man down. But the idea is that you got to get your mind off of how much faith these guys had for a moment. Because I don't know that it took a whole lot of faith to do what they did. 
Because really, they didn't, the four guys around him didn't have anything to lose. I'm not sure they even really were believing a ton. I know what Jesus says. I'll read in a minute. But maybe they weren't as engaged with this as the guy on the mat. He goes on to say this. They sent him down. They couldn't find a way in. So they went up on the roof, <clears throat> and they let him down through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. And so seeing, watch this, their faith doesn't say the four guys. doesn't say, hey, seeing the four guys who picked him up, I see your four guys' faith. Not you, 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 know, you ain't got no faith. But you four guys have a lot of faith because you cut a hole in the roof. That's the idea that we think. Well, I cut a hole in the roof. Jesus will heal me. Doesn't that kind of lend itself to, like, I'm trying to work to get God to do something? Think about it for a moment, how we interpret faith in this story. We say, well, if I cut the, man, if I, if I get up on top of the roof and start taking off some, some roofing, God will see how much faith I got. Not really sure that's what God's looking for. Not really sure God ever told any of us to go and cut holes in roofs to show me your faith. He does tell us we ought to have faith, but I'm not sure that it comes from cutting holes in roofs or trying to project how much faith we have or how much we brag about we know in Scripture or how much we can, you know, pray for people or how many times we've seen this and that. Faith isn't something you work up and just say, oh, look, because I did this, now I got it. That's not faith. He goes on to keep talking. Look at what he says. He's his friend. Your sins are forgiven you. He didn't even address the issue at hand that he came for. So the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Let me ask you a question. Did you have to work? Did you have to cut a hole in a roof to be forgiven? And why do we think we got to cut a hole through the roof to be healed? It, the idea that Jesus is throwing out here is not to diminish or to say, look, you know what? You've got to work really hard, cut a hole in the roof. So you get, That's not what he's saying. He's saying you're forgiven. It keeps reading. He says, watch this. And he says these guys in verse 22, but Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? What is easier to say, your sins have been forgiven you, or to say, get up and walk? But that you might know that the Son of Man has authority, which is a big word, authority on earth to forgive sins. In other words, he was commissioned by God, authorized by God, had legal authority to do what he did. He did not need to ask permission. He had authority. He says to this man, get up, pick up your stretcher and go home. And immediately got up before them and he picked up what he'd been laying on and he went home glorifying God. They were awestruck by this, but they were not awestruck at the fact that he could forgive sins. Which is hard? Let me ask you guys this. Which one's harder? Is it more difficult to forgive sin or to heal? Think about it for a moment. What is more difficult for you, do you think? Is it harder for God to forgive you of your sin or to heal you or to give you a miracle? I, I would say, you know, if you, if you try to look at me and say, well, I mean, you know, strength and power and all that kind of thing, maybe uh, it depends on how bad it is. You know, I don't know how bad were they. I mean, you know, maybe they got a bad little long list of stuff. And then, you know, I know this guy. <laughs> I probably took a lot for him to forgive him. You know, they got a science infection. It's not so bad. I mean, that was easier. You know, that's not the way God looks at it. Sin, the Bible says, was the greatest, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of Jesus was the greatest display of God's power on the earth. The resurrection. The resurrection was the greatest display of God's power based in Ephesians. Greater than what it took to do a miracle. But Jesus said, so that you might know, I have authority to do this, I'm going to forgive him, and then I'm going to heal him. I want to just lay this out before I go further. <clears throat> The same Jesus who said that then says it today. If I forgive you of your sin, don't look at what may or may not have transpired in other people's lives. If I have forgiven you of your sin, that I am strong enough, I am more powerful enough, through that I can heal you as well. It is not about whether he's willing. He's willing and faith, though, is involved. For you and I, I want you to think about this for a moment. For you and I, Faith has always been talked about something. Man, you've got to have big faith, big faith, big faith. But really, in this story, where do you see that? I mean, based on what I read, it's just a couple of guys got together and thought, 
Let's go through the roof. I don't know, man, you know. I would have thought at first, go to the door and just knock. Yeah, no, we're full. Yeah, I know. Hold on. Don't shut the door. Can, can we just, can, excuse me, excuse, pardon me, pardon me, excuse Jesus, hey. These guys don't want anything from you. They just in here just listening. This guy here needs your help. I would have went that route first. Cutting a hole in the roof, I don't know if I would have done it. Not because I don't think it was right or wrong. I just want to thought of it. It's not great faith because they cut a hole in the roof. I think it's great faith because they just went there believing. However this happens, I trust that he can do it. Not really a hole in the roof thing. The last thing I want to share with you this, this morning is this, that the, he's always ready. I want to kind of end on this note, but I really want you to hear the heart behind this verse of Scripture. Verse 17 says, One day he was teaching, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village in Galilee. If you know Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, that means there were regions all around the Sea of Galilee people showed up from. There were scribes and Pharisees, teachers of the law, all around the place. And they all came from these places. And they're all in this house. It's full of all these, you know the Pharisees. They're a bunch of, you know, religious folk. They don't believe anything. They didn't like Jesus. They hated his guts, right, because he's healing people and they're not. They didn't like because he did stuff on the Sabbath. They didn't like him because he would multiply new miracles. And so they're there, and all these people who don't like Jesus, they don't have any care or concern whatsoever for Jesus. They're trying to trap him based on what you read in this story. But the Bible says something very amazing. It says, verse 17, And the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. By the way, this is before the guy with the mat showed up. I'm going to put it on the screen for you so you can see it and, and just to highlight the verse. And the power, look at this. And the power of the Lord was present. Present was added to help better make us understand the English understanding of this verse. But really what the Bible actually said is the power of the Lord was for him to perform healing. We say present because it means the same thing. But they added that so you get a better understanding of what he's saying. He's in the room. Imagine if every one of you guys... not saying you are just it's a game okay it's my message go along with it okay every one of you in this room are right now a pharisee or a teacher of the law and you have this like you know you know more than i do i just came on the scene you don't know me but this guy who does he think he is we're filled with a room right and in the midst the bible says of all those pharisees the power of the lord was present to heal. Now you think about that for a moment. Now you're not Pharisees anymore. You're good Christian people. How much more then do you think the power of the Lord would be present in this room? It's all a matter of understanding who is Jesus and who is he not. If it's the idea that says, well, he's maybe, maybe he's not, I don't know. The Bible says that the power of the Lord was present to heal when he was there. Why wouldn't it be present if you're here? But isn't it true that we don't think that way? We think, and you see this all the time, and I'm not picking on people on TV, or don't, so don't think I am. Our pastor's on TV, okay? I'm not picking up people on TV. I'm just telling you. Isn't it funny, though, how we think things have to work in order for people to get healed? If they line up a certain way, right? If you wear a certain color of clothing, I'm not picking. I'm saying this is how we view it. I'm not picking on those people. I'm saying this is how we view it. If I email my thing into the guy, if they send me back some kind of prayer thing, or what, that's how we think it works. But I'm telling you that the Bible says that if Jesus is in the room, the power of the Lord is present to heal. It doesn't matter what you think or what you feel. We sang that a while ago. That is the truth. He is present, then he can heal. It's a, it is not about whether he's willing or He's still Present, and he still can heal. The interesting thing about this that I wrote down is it's always present, regardless of who's in the room. Because Pharisees could be in the room. Sadducees could be in the room. Teachers of the law could be in the room. The scribes were there. Man, they were all, what is he about to see now? I mean, they got so mad at Jesus when he quoted verses, and he would sit down the scroll and say, today the scriptures fulfilled in your ears. Who does he think? They could not stand him. And yet the power of the Lord was present to heal in that 
in that environment. For us, we, we sing what we preach and what we believe. It all helps us. Well, listen, it doesn't help God. I don't know if you ever thought about this. Now, it helps us. Listen to me very carefully. It'll help us because if, if we can get the environment right, if I can get the, the believing right, if I can get them, oh, man, oh, I love this song, so now I love Jesus. I can feel Jesus. Well, he was here before you felt him. I love certain songs too, and we try to get the atmosphere right. We do that. We do our best to pray and ask God, what would you have us do today in that environment? Why? It's not because God needs the help. You think he's up there in heaven going, well, I wish they'd sing Amazing Grace because I'd like to show them some grace today, but they ain't sang it like in 10 weeks, so I guess I'll withhold my grace. That is ridiculous. <laughs> hey, his grace is here right now, whether we sing it or we don't sing it. It's still his grace is present, but we do affect the environment by because why? Because we all know this about each other. Man, I, I can sense God when I can sense God when I can, when I can feel a song attached to my heart because that moved me back. And when I was getting saved or whatever, it reminds us of who God is and what he did. So we sing certain songs, we read Bible scriptures, and we preach certain things. Why? To help us, not to help God. We're not singing stuff. Hey, you're a way maker. We're not doing that because, God, we need you to be the way. He's going, I, I am the way maker. Yeah, I know it. And just about as soon as y'all figure it out, be awesome. But he don't need us to sing to him to make him understand that he's the way maker. He tells us before we ever started singing, uh, I am the God who is the way maker. I make the crooked things straight. Man, I'm the one that heals. And, and he's not a guy who needs to be convinced. So I want you to hear this about this. And why am I saying this so strongly? Because the verses that we all talk about so commonly, I think we take for granted. But listen, we say this. When we pray, do we not say this? Bible says if two or three of us get together, he's here. Do two of us ask anything in his name? He'll do it. We, do we not say that? Yeah, we do. Watch this. Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, we forget that this part. See, hold on a minute. That's not how loud we get in the prayer. It's not how many people we got in the prayer. Any two or three of you get together in whose name? Now hold up, and here's what he says next. Watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out. You just invited him in to the room. So what do you mean, Jody? Jesus is here right now? Yeah. Now doesn't that make you stop and think a little differently when you realize he's actually in this room? And I ain't trying to be all hocus-pocus with you. I'm just telling you he's here. Every time you get together in a small group, every time you make a prayer, when you come up down front and get prayer today, he is here. He's here. Here's another verse of Scripture. We use this. Listen to what he says. When two or three, Matthew 18, 20, I'm going to read from the message. Get a little better paraphrase translation, if you will, or version. When two or three of you get together in my, because of me, you can be sure. I'll be there. I'll focus my voice by going, but I'll be there. Well, Michael Jackson, you know, man, he's singing his heart out. Jesus is saying to you right now, man, I'll be there. I am there in your midst. And if Jesus is present, then it begs the just an observation that is so clear. If he's here, then. The power of the Lord is present as well. Because he doesn't come in without who he is. He doesn't come in the room this morning and you're sitting there thinking, well, I wish he was here. I wish God would tell me something. I wish God touched my heart. Hey, maybe it's not all up to do with the Lord. Maybe we just need to open our hearts and say, God, I recognize you're here. When we worship, I wonder how many times we worship. And we always cut up about this, you know, as, as ministry leaders. This is the truth. Don't take it personally, but this is the truth. All right? A lot of times we sing the first song. Why? Because everybody's coming in. By the second song, about everybody's gotten here. By the third song now, we're getting ready to worship. And then people are starting to think about the Lord. By the fourth song, now we are going to worship. And people go, oh, man, is that all? Is that the last one? Whoa. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's the truth, y'all. I'm just being real. What, what, what would happen if instead of coming in and expecting God to be like, 
Oh, the Lord is here on the fourth song. That if we came in on the first song and said, Oh, I know you're here, Lord. I know you're here. You know what? I know it's just me and you and a few others, but hey, listen, I know, I know, I know, I know you're here, Lord. Because your word tells me that you're here. And we'll start singing the songs we're singing. And it doesn't matter about anything else, but you recognize that he actually is here. Wonder what that would do in our lives. And I'm going to wrap up with this last couple of thoughts I'm going to put on the screen for you. When Jesus said <coughs> that the power of the Lord, or he actually was referring to, you know, Luke was saying this, the power of the Lord was present to heal, even in unfamiliar or unfavorable circumstances, scribes, Pharisees, and Sadducees. You can't imagine. It would be like going into the most legalistic group of people you ever heard in your life, hated your guts, didn't expect anything to happen, and then you try to preach a message in that. But now try to heal people in that. That's what he had to deal with. But even in the midst of that, the power of the Lord was present to heal. What does that mean? The word power, it simply means this. I'll put it on the screen for you. So take a look at this real quick. The word power is the word dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. It's an explosive power. That's what it means. It's miraculous. The power of the Lord was present to heal. So the power to do something miraculous was there. It didn't have to be worked up. It didn't have to be sung up. I don't know if that's right grammar. It didn't have to be prayed up. It was present because who was there? Jesus. We do all that stuff for us. It's not for him. He comes with Dunamis. The interesting thing word next is this. The power of the Lord. The Lord Lord there is the word kurios. It's not necessarily the word Jehovah, which is really kind of cool in this sentence. It means authority. It means one who's in supreme authority. The one who is God, Lord, and Master. The power of the one that's in supreme authority. That means he is authorized to do what he needs to do. What does that tell you about you? That means you're really not in the equation a whole lot. You see, we do this sometimes. Well, if I get the right person to pray for me, if I do this and we get the right... That's all great, but the reality is when two or three get together in my name, there's someone greater in the room than your favorite televangelist. There's someone greater in the room right now than a bottle of oil. And I'm not diminishing the oil. We'll pray for you with oil. There's someone greater in the room than the song we just worship God with, and it's Jesus. So he goes on. He says, the power of the Lord was present. It means, the word was means is the word in in, in, in Greek. And it seems to mean agreement to be, to have, in charge of. Jesus was in charge with the authority God gave him of dynamite, if you will, to do work. Even in the midst of a bunch of Pharisees. So what does that tell you and I this morning? A couple of thoughts. And I'll put these on the screen for you. Jesus was willing and the power of the Lord was present to heal. It's obvious by the Bible story. No doubt about it. Next, Jesus is willing and the power of the Lord is present to heal. But don't you hear this last one? Jesus is willing and the power of the Lord is present to fill in the blank. That was not reserved just for a healing. He forgave this man of his sins. Do you understand that Jesus had not yet been crucified? Jesus had not shed blood and he forgave him of his sins. Because he has the authority. I believe Jesus looked at that and said, I'm going to forgive you of your sins. It's on me now. I'm responsible. I'm accountable. He may go out and sin tomorrow. He probably did. You know, I mean, come on, think about it for a moment. <laughs> Guy got healed. If he's been, how long has he been on that man? We don't know. I mean, I'm sure he got a little excited. Don't you think he would be? I'll be excited. I'm sure. He probably said some things he didn't mean to say. I'm sure he probably ran into somebody on the way. I'm sure he did some stuff wrong along the way after, before Jesus was crucified. But Jesus said, I'm forgiving you of your sins. I'm putting that on me. I'm going to hold that on my account. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to display. He has the authority to forgive sins. He has the authority to heal. So this morning, 
I'm asking our worship team to come up, and I want to ask you this question as they're, they're making way to the front. We're going to sing you know, a song of worship and have a time of prayer. And no matter what you've heard or seen, no matter what you've experienced, Jesus still is willing, whether it be to heal. Watch this. It's not, we categorize this just in healing, but listen. He's still here to forgive. He's still here to heal the brokenhearted. He's still here to revive someone from maybe a lost position in their life. If maybe they think, God, there's no way you can do this. God can. He's willing. He's got the authority to do so. All he needs is for us to actually believe that he's actually here. And you say, well, Pastor, is it all on me then if I don't believe this? I mean, he doesn't. No. Listen, the fact that you're here, what does that tell you right now? It tells me that you have faith because why would you come? So we like to look at faith as some kind of mysterious thing, but the fact that you're in the seats this morning tells me you believe something about God or you would not have come. Even if someone drug you to church this morning, I don't want to be here, somebody just drug me in. Well, why'd you come? You came because there's something inside of you that says, God is who he says he is. I'm trying to figure him out. But there's enough faith to say, you're here, you believe. Even more greater than that, you believe that Jesus is here. You name me one thing that the power of the Lord isn't present to do. Most of us raised our hands a second ago and we agreed that God still does miracles. We've all seen them. It's not like we haven't. I think we're just a little confused on whether or not God would do one for me. He told Moses, I am who I am. When Moses said, well, who do I tell the Pharaoh? Who do I tell the Pharaoh sent me? You tell him, I am sent you. I am that I am. Well, who are you? I am the God that healeth thee. I am the God that delivers thee. I'm the God that provides for thee. All these Jehovah names that we have. God declares who he is and what he does. And I'm telling you from a guy who has experience, I've had this experience on both sides of it where I've seen God do miracles. And where I've seen where, I'm not saying God didn't do a miracle, I'm just saying I've seen it where it didn't, we didn't get the thing we were asking God for. And no matter what, God is still God. I could give you stories, and I'm not going to do this more, but people in our church right now could testify to the goodness of God, and yet the people they love, it did not happen the way that they thought. And they would tell you today, if they were up here, they would tell you, God is still good. I still love Jesus. And no matter what, I will serve God. So don't give me that thing this morning. You've never been in that situation because i got friends in here that have. Let me tell you right now, it takes more faith to go through that than to believe beforehand. You understand what I'm saying? It takes more faith to be strong through it when you don't see the results you're looking for than, than just sitting on the sidelines and saying, well, maybe. So I'm going to pray this morning. And maybe you're here this morning you say, man, I need a miracle in my life. I need God to show up and do something in my life. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. No matter what it is, you bring it before God right now. The Lord is here. There's more than two or three gathered together in his name. We're going to pray, okay? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you right now. You said in your word, Lord, we just quote you your word. You said in your word that if any two or three get together in your name, there you are in the midst of us. So, God, we are here today and with more than two or three that are gathered, Jesus. And we know that you're here, dear Lord Jesus. We come before you this morning knowing and trusting that you are in the room with us sitting beside people right now. Maybe you're comforting some in this room right now. But they just need to be loved on right now. I know you're comforting them right now. Maybe there's others in this room right now they need you to do a miracle in their life. Maybe there's some in this room they've been asking but they haven't seen what they're looking for just yet. I trust you, Lord, that you're still in the room. And you're more than able because the power of the Lord is present to heal, to deliver, to set free, to forgive, to cleanse, to restore, to encourage, whatever the need is. So in the name of Jesus right now, I just pray for everyone in this room, whoever it is and whatever they need, I just pray, God, that you would heal. God, that you would touch hearts right now. God, bodies in the room that need healing. Lord, that you would touch emotions right now in the room that need to be healed. You said you came to heal the brokenhearted, so God, I pray in the name of Jesus, those who have emotions that are just out of, out of control right now, maybe they're just frustrated because of what they've seen or experienced. Maybe they have 
broken hearts in some area of their life. People abuse them or people use them or people betray them in the name of Jesus. God, I pray you would restore them and heal the brokenhearted right now. Dear Jesus, I pray if there's those in this room right now that they need healing of their, their lives, maybe they don't believe they've been forgiven or they don't know they could be forgiven. Right now, I pray for them, Lord, that you would touch their hearts. You said in your word that if any man sees a man sin a sin, not unto death, that we should ask and you would give him life. So God, I pray that if there's anybody here that they think they can't be forgiven in Jesus' name, I'm asking you right now based on your word, Lord, that you forgive them. Whether they believe it or not, I'm praying you forgive them. Just cleanse them right now in the name of Jesus. Whether they believe it or not, I ask you to give them life in Jesus' name. Something someone told them that they couldn't be forgiven of, someone put some kind of curse on them or spoke some kind of a, of some kind of a wrong belief on them, told them it's impossible to be forgiven of this. I just pray in Jesus' name, and I speak life over them right now, that you would heal and forgive and restore in Jesus' name, regardless of what they believe about it. We ask you to give them life for that in Jesus' name. We just thank you for it, Lord. And I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer right now. If you're with us in this room, you say, man, I don't know, Pastor Jody, if I'm saved. I don't know if I've been forgiven. I'm gonna, I, need you to, I need to pray a prayer today. I need to come to Jesus. I don't know where I stand with God. I want you to pray this prayer with the whole church in this room. We're going to pray it together right now. Say, dear Jesus, <laughs> I come to you right now in Jesus' name. And I ask you to be my Lord to be my Savior. Forgive me, Lord, of all sin and unrighteousness. I give you complete control. In Jesus' name, you are Lord. Amen. Amen. Man, if you pray that prayer, we're so proud of you. Would you give me a hand right now, church? <clears throat>We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.